on this episode of AV Week, getting creative to help the AV events industry. Zoom suffers a major meltdown and Avacor has a first in the world of teams. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 471, recorded Friday, August 28th, 2020. Experiential Remote. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by QSC, who invites you to go native with the QSIS audio, video, and control ecosystem. And by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With me to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, is Corey Schaefer from QSC. Welcome, ma'am. Good to be on AV Nation. Thank you, ma'am. I absolutely. Appreciate it. Uh, also with us, uh, I guess, two New Yorkers, uh, which I'm not sure quite how I did that on accident. Julio Carrasco uh, from H2, uh, H323HD. Welcome, sir. Thanks having me once again absolutely and uh i used to call him the left hand side of my brain i guess I'll, I'll still do that mr george tucker uh fantastic freelancer and member of aviation welcome sir it's good to be back good to see you absolutely uh so uh, first story actually comes to us from cnn which is not something we say very often although you could just google zoom had a problem from monday and find any number of of news sources for this Monday morning, as millions of students and teachers were logging in uh, and logging on for remote learning, Zoom had an issue. According to Down Detector, they weren't the only one, though. The online platform, uh, uh, Zoom, Google, Teams, and WebEx all had connectivity issues from about 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time until about 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Zoom had said in on Monday morning in a statement that they had identified the issue and were fixing it, and they did fix it within the day. This actually brings up the downside of relying on software and the cloud. And uh, we'll start with you, Mr. Tucker, uh, and what happens when we put systems uh, to the test and they fail. So, Mr. Tucker, how do we plan for these outages as they come? And I'm not going to be a doomsayer or an old man and say, get off my lawn, but they will continue to come, especially as we continue to work from home and uh, experience and, and connect with each other online. Yeah, well, I mean... If, unless it's mission critical, you can have a backup plan if you have alternate ways of planning that, saying going to Google. But in this case, it seemed to affect a lot of different services, which means to me that it was a more centralized problem, right? That means it's somewhere in Silicon Valley, there was a major hosting place that went boom, right? Something of that yeah. nature must have happened because if it affects cross platforms, then it's not a single provider's problem. And that's the problem with some software. I mean, but it happened in the days when we had T1 lines, when we were using that for video or audio conferencing. And sometimes the switch CO stations would get mussed up and it happens. This is just a greater magnitude, right? Because we're on the cloud and more people are using it. And there's a more likelihood of it affecting greater numbers of people. And therefore you'll know about it. I mean, in 20, what, 2010, 2011, when Facebook or someone went down, who knew? The folks that were watching ZDNet or other things like that, anyone else didn't know it happened, but we were all like, oh my God, it's down. Uh, but now we have an order of magnitude that everyone's using it. Uh, again, once you have a platform that everyone's using, 
its issues are magnified to the nth degree, and it's what you get for free. I know Teams isn't free and WebEx well, is not hang free, on for a second. Wait, 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 wait. But yeah. this is what we used to call the virus of free. There are plans that, that, don't, that they can charge you more and have better services on. But when you're using this as a stopgap, cheapest way of getting your conferences done, you're on the backbone and you're at the mercy of their priorities. But, like, yeah. hang on. Yes. <laughs> WebEx costs money. There's not, not a all free... The time. I, I, are, are we sure about that? Okay. Well, I used uh, not to. I haven't used it in a while. So but I haven't either. Because they are only money, but... Yeah. But to, to George's point, I think that when you're successful and you start using the platform and, you, you know, I mean, you know, things happen with technology. But one thing I noticed is on Monday, most people were just pointing it as a Zoom issue, which... Um, I think is good and bad, which means that a lot of people are using Zoom, right? So they're the they're big dog getting called out. Uh, but on the other hand, it was happening in other platforms. And I was so, um, what is so cool about Zoom, to be honest, is so not only are they a platform, but they're really a brand. And so for their CEO to come out and make the statement he did, which was, you know, I'm taking it personally, you know, we're going to do our best to, I mean, he just owned it. I mean, to me, that just said so much about that brand, and again, why people love them. Yeah, you don't. You didn't see the, the CEO of Alphabet come, coming out and saying, "We're sorry, we're having issues with with Google Classroom right now," and right. they did. Just for the record, uh, mm-hmm. as well as as the other other platforms. Julio, is is this where is 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 there something we can do? I mean, what what can we do to to kind of uh, put in place backup systems, or how do you design for 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 instances where there are software outages? So. Before I even go into that, you know, to both their points, you know, another thing that Zoom was on top of was putting out notices. You know, mm-hmm. they kept yeah. their users abreast of what was going on and how they were handling it. And it was almost like an hourly thing, which is great. Nobody really does that nowadays like they did. Um, as far as redundancy or things like that, you know, I'm a big believer of on-prem solutions and I know that is going away, but, you know, to be realistic, you're, you're going to have more control of software upgrades. If anything does go down, how quickly can somebody respond to it, you know? So, you know, I understand the whole cloud solution, everybody's moving to it and the more people move to it, the more it's going to get bottlenecked. But, you know, I'm a big believer of I'm firm. All right. Uh, Corey, last question here from, from the manufacturing side. How do we explain to our customers and our users the benefits of software? Absolutely. There are benefits here, but there are also drawbacks, right? And there are drawbacks to using, you know, hardware as a service, AV as a service, you know, software as a service, there are certainly downsides to that. And how do we communicate that to them, but also help them understand the, the balance that they're playing? I think it uh, just needs to be communicated uh, before, during, you know, and, and just like they did. You know, I mean, I don't know how else to get around it. And we just have to be open and honest to the, e- you know, the best part about Zoom is the ease of use. But with that comes 
uh, the, the fact that it's vulnerable, right? So, um, and people just have to decide for themselves, it, you know, what's that fine balance? I just think it comes with being open, honest, and constant communication. And Julia, to your point, they did an amazing job at communicating on all different platforms for people to understand that we are aware, we're addressing it, we apologize, um, and uh, I, I didn't see anybody else doing that. No. Well, isn't no, that the I, first thing we were taught as, I mean, I managed tech support for many years for a manufacturer and managing expectations is your best friend. Yeah. Leave yeah. them hanging. They're going to have all kinds of conspiracy theories and they're going to figure out, oh, you don't like me. You're doing this on purpose. Somebody's got to take the blame. You yeah. know, it, there's no communication. But to so, George's point, I think we can all deal, we can deal with things when they go wrong as long as people are open, honest, and we've discussed the pros and cons up front. Well, let me throw one last thing out here, and, you, and any of you guys can, can pick this up before we move on to the next one. There is a, a report, I guess the Lord, a year ago, there's over 250 soft codecs, right? 250 choices people have. Wow. Uh, the, the, yeah, the, 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 uh, the down indicator website highlighted four video platforms, Google, um, uh, WebEx, uh, obviously Zoom, and um, the only one to step up to you guys' point was Zoom to say, hey, we know we got a problem. The rest of these folks had problems too because this was not a Zoom problem, quote unquote. This was not a Google problem, quote unquote. There's a backbone issue somewhere. Yeah. Um, there was a, a cloud service somewhere that was, that was uh, getting hit. So does this help Zoom to be the only one to stand up and say, yeah, we got a problem, we're sorry, instead of the 249 other video platforms that could have stood up and said, yes, we know how we have a problem. The cool thing about Zoom is they stand up, they have, they, they bring the human touch to their platform. I mean, their whole tagline, meet happy. Uh, the fact that they do Zoomtopia and bring their users together. I mean, every single thing about that organization is about the human part of the platform when everybody else is focused on the technical side of the platform. They're focused on that human interaction and, and, they, and they walk the walk. Zoom is very, very customer friendly, I must say. The they also the learned the lesson that when there's a problem, oh the main name that someone sees on a rack or their screen or somewhere is the one that they're going to blame. I worked for a manufacturer. As you know, Corey, often it was not our product's fault, but something down the line, but you took responsibility for helping solve it because they're going to blame it's the whatever's problem because that's yeah, the big it's, logo. It's the name you see on the touch panel on the rack or whatever, you know, it, it's this problem. So, and Zoom uh, lately, I mean, they've had, they've had a few issues, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they, they had the, you know, uh, selling off data early on. Then they had the Zoom bombing with security, you know, and now this. And um, I feel like they continuously get um, the benefit of the doubt because of how they handle these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, next uh, story actually comes to us from our friends over at S uh, AV Network and SCN. Avacor has unveiled the first ever Windows collaboration display, also known as a WCD. It's been certified for Microsoft Teams. It's the first WCD to be certified for Microsoft Teams. The AVW6555 is also Microsoft Azure certified, which makes it interesting because it, it gives uh, Azure IoT certification, gives the display a number of different uh, options. Uh, the display was designed and engineered for this type of certification for Microsoft, for, for Teams. 
Hobie, I want to start with you. When you're looking at, at, at designing a system and designing a, a, a engineering a system, and you're looking at products like this, why do you think a company would go through the process, and quite frankly, the trouble of getting a product certified for Teams, for Azure, or for any other specific software platform? It gives the end user more confidence in the product, and it's way easier for Avocore, for example, to sell that product, where if you're putting, you're piecemealing a, a solution together, you know, there's always going to be somewhere along the line a fault, and that's where the finger pointing starts. So, you know, and I know for a very long time, manufacturers always were like, you know, we're a stock one solution. And, you know, that wasn't true because you always had to put in other pieces to make something work. And when Avocore comes out with something like that and getting certified for it, it makes it that much better. Uh, and, it, you know, you get that ease of use. Makes sense. Corey, um, QSC has, has gone down the road of, of software and, and, and working with a number of, of technology giants. Where else do we see IoT and software and, and kind of hardware all kind of coming together like this? Monitoring and management needs, mm. right? So, so as you read through that, um, it was a couple of things stood out to me that they did this in collaboration with Microsoft. There were also an array of built-in IoT sensors um, so that they could um, uh, get intelligence on the room usage and other things. So, I mean, if you read through this, it's really about that bigger um, look at uh, being able to monitor and manage um, all the pieces in the room and easily be able to support it. And uh, our company actually is uh, right now going through team certification. And it's, um, it's great because what they're really looking at is how do we support the, the um, platform all across the enterprise. So not just at the desktop and not in the huddle room, but even in those you know, big rooms like all hands, those training rooms, those divisible rooms, et cetera. And then looking at all the elements in that and then not just getting them in, making sure that they can support it without the finger pointing and so on, but it's also that monitoring and managing it long-term. Did you, did you just like break news? Like were you supposed to say that QSC was trying to get team certified? So... Well, not trying. We are. Well, you are. You said you're going through we the process, are. so. We are in the process. So, uh, coming soon. <laughs> All right. I'm just making sure that neither of us gets in trouble. All right, Mr. Tucker, uh, last question here. What are, what are the dangers of, of trying to get a product or, or going through the process of getting a product certified on a specific software platform or on a specific um, technology platform? Well, of course, because that platform might go away and not that Google or Microsoft has ever done that to a product that's been as entrenched. No, it's <clears throat> waves. never happened. Waves. No. Oh, well, Google waves. waves. Yeah. Well, we can, Google we Waves can. was the greatest product in the history of the Googles. <laughs> it probably was, actually. It was fantastic, but go ahead. Yes. Um, and for those of you under like 30, Google it and go look up the wiki. Yeah, Sorry. it doesn't match the experience, though. It was a lot of fun. It does not. So when fantastic. I first saw this product, my first thought was, oh, God, another overpriced, overstuffed piece of hardware that most clients aren't going to want two-thirds of. And to Corey and to Julio's point, yeah, when I read through the middle of the paragraphs, the like third or fourth paragraph, that management stuff is fantastic. So for the price that it's being put out at, what it can do and what it can interact with, 
the risk of certification for at least the end user side and even the installer is minimal because if that's the platform they're using and this does it all, if it goes away in five years, you're not going to care. It's going to be something else and it's lived its lifespan and you move on. A 65-inch, probably 1080p. I didn't really look at what the resolution was. Is it 4K or anything? I don't know. It is 4K. It is 4K, it is 4K, yeah. 4K but it's still not going to last. And, and I believe they're working long. on an 8K one too. Right, but it's not, you know, but we know how this cycle works. Even yeah. in a recession, de- uh, depression, whatever we want to call this coming, coming up, that's not going to last that long to be concerned about. So the platform that it's built for will exist minimally till its end of life cycle. Maybe not for the manufacturer to recover everything, but it will, for a client, what? last that long. So I don't have a problem with that because we build that in as manufacturers to the optimization of its pricing, right? So you hope that you will get everything back plus more, but you're really planning for getting it back, right? And then hoping that that leads to other products that are bought and lost leaders and whatever else you're going to do, right? I mean, so certification is a good quality I don't know if it's the one that every client looks for, but it does help you progress through. And I don't think it's a problem right. for those reasons. Well, and, and you, you mentioned, you know, Google but doing away with products. Let's not forget Microsoft and the fact oh, yeah. that they, they're still letting uh, Skype kind of just like hang there. Mm. Uh, and that's what, you know, that's what Teams has become. Not, not Skype and don't, don't yell at me. It's not, you know, what <laughs> Skype has become, but that's what they've replaced Skype with is Teams because it's more collaborative. It's, you know, it, it is, you know, uh, the more of the UC platform. Well, yeah, what I think is do. really great about this also is the platform companies, whether it be Google, Microsoft, Zoom, whatever, they're seeing, they're validating uh, the value of hardware and the meeting rooms and how yeah. to take the platform into these other use cases. You know, um, I think we're going to see more and more of this. Yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we had, we had a story that, that our, our buddies over at Midwich here in the States, it's Starin, but Midwich globally yeah. has, has the new platform um, for uh, Zoom's hardware as a service, usually leveraging uh, polys. So, yeah. All right. Uh, last story here. And I did this because I wanted to, and I really want to travel um, <laughs> from our buddies at Commercial Integrator and Craig McCormick, um, who is, you know, the, the uh, I'm not going to say he's the worst sports fan in the world, but he's a Boston fan. So, you know, there's that. Um, MGM has a work from Vegas package for those suffering from work from home burnout. Packages include the Bellagio and area resorts. There are three packages and the cheapest is a five day stay at a hundred bucks per night. You can go work from Vegas for $500 a week. I'm going to leave right now and get on a plane. Uh, this is another in a line of creative ways uh, properties and businesses are showing up lost revenue. The packages include food and beverage credits. Again, getting on a Southwest flight at five o'clock on Friday. Uh, you know, probably. Uh, you could also take a break and go to a show in between conference calls. Corey, I'm going to start with you. Corey's actually technically the closest one to us and could take advantage of this. Just for the record, her and her boyfriend, uh, Tim, could, could drive true. over to Vegas and, uh, and do this. Um, what other ways have we seen, you know, the live events, entertainment industry, staging, uh, evolve and get creative during this time to help not only the, obviously the business, but also their workers who've been impacted. 
so I, so first of all, on this one, I thought it was incredibly clever. I don't think I would do it uh, because I don't think I would go to Vegas to work. Um, you know, Vegas is just so fun uh, for, for other reasons. But it is, but to your point, it's getting clever about how to draw in and create business. The other things I've seen, especially, you know, our like our live sound and events industry has really been hurting. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so companies that have all that rental inventory, they're taking it and they're doing things. You know, first it went from outdoor graduation drive-bys to, um, you know, how do they do um, outdoor wedding, drive-by wedding receptions, baby showers, you know, and again, they need some AV for that. So people are really getting creative about how they do that, you know, taking the house of worship out to the uh, parking lot and doing um, services, you know, while people are in their cars. We're seeing the rise of the movie theaters, you know, back and, and entertainment where you might stay people stay in their cars or get out on the hood of their cars, you know, et cetera, to just, because we're all craving connection and something different beyond the four walls that we're in every single day. So I thought this was really clever, although probably not something that I would do just because um, I wouldn't work from Vegas. I would totally work from Vegas. Just want to say, um, and actually our, our buddies here uh, in, in my backyard, CTI conference technologies actually helped Walmart do uh, some drive-in movie theaters uh, across the Midwest. So that was kind of cool. Julio, what, what, other, what, what areas can, can integrators do uh, to help their events brothers and sisters to, to find work, to find gigs, to, to do stuff like this? Um, I don't know. It's pretty hard to kind of answer that when it comes to integrating because it's, 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 you got to be on site to do integration, right? So it's kind of hard. I mean, the way to do things nowadays is like, like right now I'm helping, you know, certain university that's going to go unnamed um, commission over 380 rooms remotely, you know, but at some point you still need a body on site. So it's, it's kind of hard to get creative when it comes to, to, to try and integrate commission and things like that. Yeah, especially when you need to physically be there. So, yeah. But uh, ideas like this kind of help spark, you know, when you read something like this, you start going, okay, super clever. You know what, I mean, what can we do? And, and I think that's what this story really did, what Craig did in this story. I mean, I was thinking the other day, I have my own little QSE sound system and mostly it's just, you know, around for when we, you know, uh, had, events uh, at our home and at parties but I was thinking now my fitness center has moved many of their classes outside but they may not have a sound system so I just sent them a note and said you know just want to borrow what I have be happy to loan it to you because otherwise you know I mean we're not using it to entertain so maybe that's something they can use and then you know it exposes them to the system and the idea and hopefully these ideas snowball one after another you know maybe it carries past COVID. Yeah, that's that's the hope, right? Is as we all come out of this, Mr. Tucker, you're in a unique position. You've worked for manufacturers, integrators, but you also worked for live staging and events there out of out of New York and, and the and the the, the swamps of of Secaucus, as you taught me. Um, <laughs> what what do we see the industry in 2021? I'm not going to ask about 2020. I, I'm mm. I'm not saying I'm writing it off, but it it it's not well. It's not we're not we're not looking good for 2020. But for 2021, what do we see for, for the staging and events folks? You're going to see more flexibility in combining remote and live. Okay. So you have core people coming in 
to attend in an open space that's provided for and follows the rules, as well as supplementing that with experiential remote. So things that engage you more than just say a webinar or PowerPoints or things like that. Uh, there's a number of companies, uh, some of which I've worked for and some of which were competitors for those guys I worked for, all out of Sagaucus, uh, that use these XR studios in which you can do, it looks like you're on stage with someone who has a thousand tiles of video wall behind them and the interaction comes to you and at you in a way that actually is engaging rather than just a droning on flat thing. So think of an Apple uh, keynote event uh, but that it's far more interactive than just the stuff you see. So there's lots to it. You can do interactive, not just questioning, but the way that they streamline it, map it, and morph it for 3D, and they can engage the speaker within that context. So it becomes a whole different story. How long that'll engage everyone is from its novelty is to be seen. That could be a yearly thing like, oh, it engages us for this long. If it lasts more than 2021, it may become old hat just like color TV is now expected and it's not considered anything great unless it's 8K, right? <laughs> so you've got that factor in it. Uh, but you've seen things in England in which they've made pods where people would file into an outdoor arena and have their little pod, a deck, looks like a little mini patio, four people, you're eight to 10 feet apart from the center of someone else's pod, which technically gets you six feet away in that way, right? Was that two meters, three meters or something? That's 50 feet, but anyway, there's those things, but they don't quite work. And I know in Maine and Vermont, they've, uh, the um, Actors, Equity, Actors' Equity has approved some live dramas and, and musicals with limited casts in small venues or venues that have small capacity but large space. They're experimenting with it to see if they can get something to work because that will be more about the novelty of it, the frequency of events, so two, three shows a day rather than one or two, and a longer run, hopefully. That's the way you're going to do it. You have things like Broadway. We're not going to see anything till at least March, April, if we can see that. And I'll be frank with you, I think a lot of the, the subtext conversation among the unions is that you will not see anything major and new until 25. Whole. Because of, look, you got financing, you got actors, you got people who've left the city or the state because they've gone back home or decided to do something. It's a buildup and you can't even, you know, it, it takes a long time to put on those things. Corporate events you might see more often, but are you going to take the liability as a corporate employer to getting people sick until you know that there's a way to solve it? Yeah. It's not just about, I want to do these events. It's, am I going to take responsibility? Well, and will the audience feel comfortable in attending too, and right? Some will. So it's really two-sided. And I right. hope moving forward in 2021 and beyond, I hope it continuously is a hybrid where it can be because I think people are craving in-person events for sure, but there, you can just have such a wider reach when you're able to, to join in remotely as well. And I think people are learning how to do it. I mean, I don't know if you saw that image on social media about the guy that ran everything for the DNC yeah. and he's sitting there barefoot and you see all the screens and everything. I mean, wow. I mean, that was such a great, poster for our industry it was amazing the, the the barefoot hobo was a great okay absolutely <laughs> my question on that though is that this thing like, like we said at infocom experiential live events or events of that kind of size are about the impact of either watching it live with those who have energy there or about being there and that's a yeah. tough nut to break through on a consistent basis 
The novelty yeah. eventually wears off on remote. Yeah, and the RNC yeah. tried a little bit of that with the, this past week because they had some people there, mm. you know, in yeah. in the in the location. But again, they were they were social distance and they were you know, um, <laughs> not last t- night they weren't. Well, no, so, t- uh, Mr. Tucker, real quickly because I, I want to focus on this before we get out of here. Yeah, because I don't I don't understand all of Broadway. Like the, the last time I was in theater, I was on stage and it was in high school, which I'm not going to say how long ago that was. Um, something like Hamilton. Or Bruce Springsteen's show. Yeah. And this is, might be my naivety of being, you know, in, in flyover country. Can't they just show up tomorrow and put it on again? Yes and no. Okay. People are out of practice. Um, the venues have to then establish a protocol for getting people in and out for the attendance, for the audience. We don't have any real protocols from IATSE or from the Aquas Equity or from the theater manager group yet that's solid to say, how do we get that many people and staff behind the stage? I mean, you may have gone into a Broadway theater like Hamilton's theater is actually fairly large, but there's no room backstage. Mm. There is minimal room backstage. And a lot of us are doing the very close, hey, how are you? You know, right up against each other. Uh, how do you do that? Right? How do you get people, not just the actors, but the actors and the staff and the crew. And yeah. Yeah. It, that's the big problem. And you have to have the money to be able to do it and safety. I mean, part of the reason that they were going to say they were going to open up this year, they, you know, eh, they said September, we thought maybe December, was that actors' equity and the theater companies and IATSE could not come up with a, an agreement on how that protocol would work. And they went, it's just not doable. And they said, we got to wait. You know, they say January, again, that probably means March, April, get everyone back from rehearsals, get the tech crews done. Theaters are funny things. Many of them are old. They're creaky. They're groany. They need to be then revved up and made sure they're secure. And, you know, you got to go through all those protocols, all the hemp lines for the, th- for the, for the backdrops and everything else and for the stuff they remote, uh, bring in. Those all got to be checked. That takes days, weeks at times to do. So, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's a little more complicated than just, let's put on a show. My dad's got a garage. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's, that's what that's what we do every week. So, yeah. all right, guys, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, Corey Schaefer from QSC. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for having me again. Um, uh, and if you want to connect with me, it's Corey.Schaefer at QSC.com. You can find me on the Twitters and on LinkedIn, and I'd love to connect. All right, very good. Julio Carrasco, I will let you get back to work here in a second, but thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you, NH323? I'm all over social media, website, under H323HD Inc. And I'm more than willing to connect. All right. Very good. And last but not least, Mr. Tucker, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. You can follow me on tucker Twos on Twitter. That's usually where I am or on Instagram. Uh, and I am writer for sometimes for Sound Contractor News, have one in there this month, as well as rental and staging articles for the lovely Aviation. Uh, and if you want to take a listen to my editing handiwork, go Bronx Podcast. The new one from the Bronx Tourism Board is just out this month. Yeah, very cool. All right. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't uh, follow me on the Twitters, uh, but go by the website if you would, please. Avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, including a brand spanking new one. I want to point you guys uh, uh, to um, our buddy Joe Whitaker, uh, who is a, a, an integrator here in, in St. Louis. He has started, he started a number of months ago um, grabbing uh, manufacturers for a, a conversation, a Facebook Live conversation every Thursday. And what it is, is he's talking with them about the technologies and, and the things that, that make our homes kind of you know, neat and unique and different than technology that, that runs them. But he, he 
asks the questions and, and drives the conversation based on the consumer, the homeowner, not you and me and, and, and technology geeks, but folks who actually consume this stuff and breaks it down to a, a, a more understandable level. Uh, well, we've taken that and us together with, with Joe and we're producing a podcast out of it. So our, our, our fabulous producer, Mr. Mitchell, uh, is taking that and, and pushing that up. So you can watch Joe live at, at, at 6.30 Eastern on Thursdays if you want, uh, but you can also subscribe to that podcast as well. So also uh, while you're at AV Nation, uh, check out our underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and the Thoughtful Home and all that. And QSC is one of those, and we thank them uh, for their continued support. I uh, also have a brand new uh, webinar coming out uh, on September 10th. We'll be talking with the folks at Savvy3 and LG about uh, how they're helping integrate or streamline uh, their control process and delivering an exceptional experience. So you can check that out too. All that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>